Hello and welcome to Stream It, the podcast where we explore movies, old favorites, new favorites, and every so often movies we love just a little bit less. This is a bonus episode. This is our first ever annual Streamies. And uh, as Mary said, with a name like that, it might also be your last ever Streamies. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how how that name that name sticks. As always, my name is Zachary Ortz. I am one of your co-hosts, and I'm joined this week, just like each week preceding this week, by my good buddy, Matthew Watkins. Hey, Matty, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? I am doing well. I have been, we are just back from vacation, and I have, uh, let me tell you, cross-country airplane flights are good for getting in a lot of last-minute movies. So over the last week, um, I didn't watch anything while we were on vacation, but so over four days with then a five-day break in the middle, I think I knocked off 10 different movies from 2022 that I wanted That's to make a sure. a lot I of movies. In. Yeah. So yeah. it's been a lot. Probably not the best for uh, being able to like take those movies in, but yeah, feeling feeling good. Feeling good about it. Excellent. Yeah, excellent. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, I haven't been getting as many movies in the, in the past couple of weeks just because I'm finishing up a quarter of school over here. And, you know, yeah. uh, award shows come at kind of an awkward time of the year, but that's OK. Um, ready to go. I've been thinking a lot about all the movies that I watched last year and kind of processing all of those things. So I'm excited to talk about all of them. Yeah. So this is if it's not evident this is the show where we're gonna celebrate the year of 2022 in movies we'll touch on some oscar stuff obviously this is recorded um right now it's eight days before the oscars i'm hoping this is going to come out on sunday so a week before the oscars this is our chance to really put a put a cap on the year in movies and because normally we're the vast majority of the time we're covering backlist. So this, but Matt and I watch a lot of movies and there are a lot of movies that I've been excited to talk about from last year and wanted to have, have an opportunity to do that. Uh, quick housekeeping note as a result of that, the hope is the goal is that this episode is going to be pretty minimally edited. If something catastrophic happens in the middle, I'll probably try and edit that out like if a microphone falls down or um, if we have to take a bathroom break or something that probably won't be in here but there will be more artifacts than normal so you might hear us drinking you might hear us clicking a little bit um, Tay already huffed a little bit during my intro so I don't mm -hmm. know if zoom is going to pick that up uh, but yeah and uh, as always we'll say it at the end of the show but if you have any feedback on how this particular show was run or how you'd like to see it run in the future, we would love to hear that. For sure. It's a, we're trying to do this a quick turnaround so we could have enough time to watch all the movies, uh, get a sense of all of them and think about them and then record the episode and also, you know, turn around the editing and get it posted, all of those things in time. And that's hard to do and have it sound, you know, perfect like David normally sounds us. Uh, makes us sound, makes us sound. 
David so we can have things us. like <laughs> we can have things like weird uh weird gaffes of saying sounds us in the middle of the episode yeah uh so let's start with i get a basic overview of how the year in movies went for us how many have you seen and what's your general feeling of the quality of movies from last year so i ended up watching 53 movies from 2022 um and I had set a goal for 50 films and so came in just a little bit over. I probably could have squeezed in uh, some more films after the turn of the year if I wanted to really try and crunch and get things done. But I felt pretty solid with the list. Um, as far as how I felt about how the movies went, um, I was a little bit worried at the beginning of last year because... The, the films at the beginning of the year last year were very rough. Um, it took a while for things <laughs> yeah. to get going well. Um, I'm just looking through my list of things, and it took until almost 20 movies into the year before I started to feel like I was watching things that I liked. Um, and what I what it felt like to me is a lot of um, companies had made it through their COVID-like um, banked catalog and then everything was just kind of like uh, catching back up. Um, but after that, I felt like uh, it was just hit after hit. A lot of great films. I have a lot of films that rank very highly on my all time list that came from this year. And so but it took it took a while for it to get going. Yeah, that that makes sense. I I did. I did sort of the same pattern last year. So where I was up until January and February, and then the first couple weeks of March, I was really watching primarily 2021 movies, and which is what I have just done this year, where I'm catching up on 2022 movies. So I didn't have that same lull that you did, because I was catching up on, on a bunch of stuff that I had missed from the previous year. It's a little hard for me to say, because this is the highest density of movies I've ever seen from a year in such close proximity. I did do a lot from 2021, um, but I think it still wasn't quite at this volume. So I'm at I'm at 72 from the year. Uh, I would have been at 73 if I had gotten in that last 45 minutes of decision to leave before we started recording, but I didn't quite finish that one. So no, that's all right. Uh, 72 movies plus I know I actually have two that are not on my list that are on your list that I just have in a separate category so I have the two Disney plus specials as well so mm -hmm. 74 if I count those and then I have gotten 11 of the 15 nominated shorts as well uh, four of which aren't available for streaming yet or I haven't last I checked were not were not yet available for streaming. And it feels like in general, the quality of this year was pretty strong. So I give all of my movies a letter grade, uh, something that you probably don't do because you give too many of them okay. as a teacher. But I have nine movies that fall into the A range for me, and then 31 that fall into the B range, 25 that fall into the C range, and then only seven of them fell into the D range. So uh, it's a little misleading because anything C minus or below, I actively disliked. And then anything that's a C, I'm really pretty, pretty met on. 
Um, but it looks like of my 72 movies, 55 of them, I gave a C plus or better. So that's really wow. pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah that's pretty good. Um, I think I, I, like you said, I don't give a letter grade to all the films that I do. And, uh, but I think probably it's a similar kind of distribution. Um, though my lows this year were also quite low. Um, I think so, your lows were lower than mine. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. That's okay. Um, we don't have to mention, you know, movies like the bubble that came out last year. Is that Oops, your lowest ranked it. movie? Yeah, it's, it's pretty bad. My lowest so. ranked movie is an Oscar nominee. I have blonde. Oh, geez. Yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah. That's my I, only I, B minus. Uh, that one's not on my list, but that's because I didn't watch it because I had a feeling it would be pretty low for me. So, that's uh, all right. yes, only the only reason I made it through the whole thing was because I wanted to get all of the above line above the line Oscar nominations in. Yeah, fair. I figure if I'm going to be bummed that someone that I wanted to make it in didn't make it in, then I you should know which one you wanted to boot it off. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Um, do you want to say anything about general themes from last year, or should we just get into get into our top movies? Um, just one thing that I noticed of general theme: there was a lot of you know, um, multiverse related content last yeah. year between all the Marvel stuff, mm-hmm. um, and things like that. But along those same lines, just a lot of weird avant-garde movies last year um which i enjoy quite a bit uh so that part i liked quite a bit yeah uh okay so the process that we we actually did something kind of exciting here so we're going to start by counting down each of our personal top tens and i have a sense of what matt's is and i think you also have a sense of what mine is but we don't know for sure and what we did was we sent them both of our top tens over to david aka asturial friend of the show and he put them into an order for us so that we can talk about them at their highest point of the show i think generally the person who has them the highest is going to get to talk about them so they're currently in both of our private discords as spoilers We don't know the order that we're going to get to talk about these movies. And so I think I'm the one who gets to gets to start us off here. Oh, and it goes without saying we are going to try if there's a movie that has like hinges on a heavy spoiler or um, yeah, if if there's a huge turn that the movie relies on, we're going to try really hard not to spoil those things. But in general, if you're a spoiler phobe, nine out of 10 or spoiler phobe, eight out of 10, then this might not be might not be the episode for you because we are going to talk about the movies that we've seen as if we have seen them. Yes, yes. Uh, Though, as you said, um, generally trying to avoid major spoilers, um, if at all possible. Yeah. Uh, all right. Should we should we get into it? Should I reveal my my first movie here? Yes. Open the envelope. All um, right. We don't have an actual envelope to open, but imagine. No, but clicking the Discord spoilers is kind of fun. Yes. All right. So I had a feeling this was going to be my first movie to talk about. So this is my number 
eight of the year. So literally every movie that I'm going to bring up here is going to be a movie that has an A somewhere in the A range rating. So this is a movie I have at A minus and it is a directorial debut. It was nominated, I think, for one Oscar. Paul Mezcal was nominated for Best Actor for After Sun. And this this is not a movie that you've seen, right, Matt? I have not seen it. It's high on my list of things that I want to get to, but uh, I have not gotten to it yet. Yeah, so I I got this one in because I was trying to get get all those best ask best actor nominations done and finally just bit the bullet and rented it. And I didn't really know what to expect, but it was one of those movies where after the movie had finished, I probably was in like the B range, but then it really benefited from me just like turning the movie over in my mind. And I did some reading on it. It's not like a super... Um, the movie doesn't give you uh, it doesn't spoon feed you everything that it wants you to know so there's a bunch of questions of like is this what really happened is this um, is this what's going on with this character um, and so where I think it's it's always a little dicey when a movie does that right it can either work out really well where it provides extra depth to be mined for the viewer and extra discussion or it can also backfire where it just ends up being more frustrating than it is than exciting and in this case I found it to be very exciting and I enjoyed going to read a bunch of other people's uh take on the movie uh it certainly doesn't hurt that the two leads are just absolutely flawless in this movie they're both really really excellent uh so i don't want to we don't have to talk too much about it because you haven't seen it i do think you would probably love this movie it is i will say it is one of the better depictions of mental illness that i have seen on screen oh nice yeah yeah that's it sounds like something that i would like to watch um I've avoided learning too much about it because I yeah. wanted to watch it. Um, I know it's an A24 film, which, you know, they just uh, just hit after hit that last year. It was really their year. Um, and it, but from everything I've heard is just seems like it's in my wheelhouse. It's the kind of thing that I would like to watch and just, you know, waiting for a good opportunity for it to pop up on streaming and and catch it. Yeah, it's one that hasn't, I had to rent it online. So uh, I think it was on Mubi for a little while, or maybe it still is. So I'm guessing a lot of our audience maybe hasn't seen it yet. And if you haven't, then it is going to be one of those ones that I think like it is a shorter movie, um, definitely comes in at under two hours, I think it might be at around hour 40. So make sure you just put a side a good amount of time to just be able to sit and live in the movie and i think if, yeah hopefully it hits hits other people as well as it hits me the the um screenshots i've seen from it, the stills that i've seen from it uh look beautiful so mm -hmm. i really want to watch it because of that but i've avoided trailers because i didn't right. want to know what the story was so i've just seen stills 
that are like, oh, that looks really pretty. Um, I don't know. It's high on my list, so I'm excited to watch that one. Yeah. Uh, what do you What do you have? What's What's in your envelope? Okay, so uh, the first movie on mine would be um, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. Oh um, wow! Yeah. So and it just barely squeaked in on my number ten. Um, so uh, yeah, it's it's really tough. So essentially, um, there's another film. I suspect we'll get to it later. That it, that was on my list. That it was like fighting with, and I had them moving back and forth between each other uh, on the list, and ended up with Wakanda Forever at the um, above it. Um, Black Panther, the first Black Panther is one of my favorite films ever. And so I was really curious how this film would work for me as a sequel, especially with everything that happened with Chadwick Boseman um, and the passing of the mantle to uh, Letitia Wright um, and the rest of the team. Um, I had some suspicions about what I would think about the film as I went in and like how I would re- react to it with just where I thought the story was going to go. Um one of the things I had mentioned to you after watching it was that my first watch of the film was rough for me. And it was because of all the stuff going on around it. I couldn't really just sit in the pocket and enjoy it as a story. I was thinking about everything else that was going on with it. Um, but I did get to watch it two, two more times afterwards. And it's it just once I could get out of my head and just watch it and just enjoy it as a story. Uh, it really moved up the list for me. I loved the cinematography. I loved the music. Um, I loved the performances from so many of the characters, from Angela Bassett, from uh, Lupita Nyong'o, um, and from I forget the name of the actor that plays uh, that plays Namor. Um, but those performances, I really, really enjoyed. Uh, in my second and third viewing, I enjoyed Letitia Wright's performance a lot more because I was able to distance myself from the uh, the um, problematic aspects of her out of movie stuff. And so I started enjoying the film a lot more. Um, and yeah, so I, I liked it a lot. It's, um, uh, you know, not a lot of Marvel movies made it onto my list this year, but that one definitely uh, was was one that I enjoyed. Uh, Tenoch Huerta? Tenoch Huerta, yeah. Tenoch Huerta, yeah. Yes. Um. Yeah, this is so this is pretty far down my list. This is at 38 for me. Um, okay, I have it in the B minus range, but I do have to say it is probably the ranking of a movie on my list that I'm the most unsure of just because I haven't had a chance to rewatch it yet. And I had a good amount of extraneous stuff like Mary had gone to the movie with me, but then had to leave before the movie started because our Tay was just like freaking out. So then I spent a lot of the movie like worried about what was going on there. And then I actually ended up getting some like really bad back pain for the last like 30 to 40 minutes of the movie. That'll which do made it to it you. Pretty, yeah. pretty uncomfortable. Um, so I'm guessing it would move up a decent amount on rewatch, but I, I don't think it would get to quite my, quite my top 10. Um, the Riri Williams is one of my favorite characters from the comics. So I was really, really excited for her. And I, the, um, that section of the movie really did not disappoint. Um, 
it was one of those where the part of the movie that I um <laughs> that wasn't tainted by that got a little ruined by promotional stuff. Um yeah. That first I think that first sequence when you first get it introduced to uh they're not Atlanteans, right? What are yeah, I mean, uh, they're Atlanteans. They're to, what are they? no more? Yeah, no, it's what, yeah, it's it's a Maya word that they're using, but they also connect them with Atlantis a little bit, yeah. So, um, where they're all, um, the ship is getting taken over. I found that like so compelling, and I was like, oh my goodness, what is going on? And then I remembered that no more was in the movie like halfway through that sequence and then it sort of just like turned it off for me at that point where it was just so compelling i'm like why could they have just not told us this and then yeah i think i also got a little i got a little screwed because it was impossible to avoid the first trailer for this movie, but then there was stuff that was fixed. If you had seen the second and the third trailers, as I understand it, which is the first trailer really makes it seem like the movie is going to be this huge, like it's going to hinge on this question of who is going to become black Panther. Hmm. And so I thought I was going into a movie that was going to be exploring that and there was going to be some surprise and some suspense about it. And then when I, what I was expecting was going to be a reveal, like it didn't feel like it built up to it at all. It didn't really feel all that satisfying to me. And it wasn't until after the movie that I realized that I learned that Marvel had actually told people. Basically in, said, yeah. Basically yeah. Said in the second and third trailers. Yeah, and so it was pretty. It was pretty clear. Like the movie makes pretty clear that it's Letitia Wright's movie. Yeah, um, and that it, you know it doesn't tell you that immediately right away, but it's it, all the storytelling kind of makes it clear enough that if you know what you're looking for, uh, about 15 minutes in, you're like, well, well, she's definitely going to be the Black Panther then. Um, just to recap, the the people are called Talokan. Talokan, uh, yeah. Yeah, the Talokan. So, uh, yeah, that's all understandable for me. I watched the trailers. I don't know. I've I've kind of moved into a little bit what I think for me is a little bit more healthy relationship with Disney and trailers for Marvel films, which is that um, I'm accepting the promotional, the major promotional material as part of the storytelling process, um, which has made it a little bit easier for me to not worry about um, not worry about spoilers. And at the same like if they're giving it to me in the trailer, then I'm considering it part of that whole storytelling process. So I don't feel like it's a spoiler in the same way. Um, and then on top of it, I'm getting educated in the way that Disney is trying to educate their audience. So I feel like I'm more prepared for what I'm going into the film for. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's a tricky balance trying to figure those things out. Um, and like I said, even for, for me, the first time that I watched it, it's it didn't all work uh, because of all the extraneous stuff. Um, and I think that's kind of part of the experience of watching these really big films that are hyped up and that you're uh, they, uh, that there's so much cultural movement and uh, focus on. 
um, but it's hard for it to match up to maybe the expectations that you build up in your head. Uh, and But once I was able to let go of those things and just go in and relax a little bit more in watching the film, I enjoyed it a lot more. Yeah, makes sense. And uh, good year for uh, movies with water. Yes, lots of water movies um, and lots of movies that were very innovative and creative with the use of water in completely different ways. Uh, yeah, so, have... you know. We have three Oscar nominations for for water movies. So this one and then so Avatar and then the other one, we will be talking about it at a later date. Yes. Excellent. All right. Let me load up my Discord. So my second movie that I'm talking about. Yep. So this is my number seven of the year. And this is The Fablemans. Uh, okay. Which you have seen. So where's that on on your list? Uh, I have it as number six, so it's pretty close to yours. Okay, yeah, so the this, yeah. David said there was one place where the person who had it the highest was not going to get to review, not going to get to reveal it. So I guess this is yeah. this is that one. Though I will say, since you watched a lot more movies than I did, being at seventh on your list is higher than being at sixth on my list. If that makes sense. Uh yeah, I guess I guess it does. Um so once again we're still still in the A minus range here for these movies. Um I think the Fablemans and honestly it's a movie that I could even see moving up for me over time. My sense is based on the podcasts I've listened to about this and the discourse around this is that the more love appreciation and knowledge of Steven Spielberg's filmography you have, the better this movie is going to work for you. Um, that makes the, sense. the blank check guys in particular um, talked about and does make me want to go back and do like a full rewatch of his filmography about how this movie informs so many other scenes and so many other sequences in his movies as this was like, a story that he has been trying to wrap his head around telling for basically his entire life and was waiting until he felt like he had the right team, felt like he was at the right place in his life, and also waiting for, uh, I believe, his his parents to pass so that there wasn't any... Um, there weren't going to be Worry about any... how they would respond to it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think the concern going into this movie, and certainly the way the trailer makes it look, is it looks like it's going to be a very saccharine movie. It looks like it's going to be very emotional, and uh, there there has been some amount of like ire directed at this movie. I think uh, just because it is so sensitive for Steven Spielberg, it is so. Um, it, it it's so personal so people have felt like it's um, indulgent <laughs> that's the word that I was looking for um, felt like it was a little indulgent and I think the reason it makes it so high on my list is because I just I didn't feel that way about the movie at all I felt like any time it was veering into this place where it just felt like it was getting a little too emotional a little too self-indulgent then it just came ramming back and there are so many scenes that I just thought were really spectacular and 
the only other thing I'll say before I pass it over to you, because I know you have some stuff you want to say about it, is we don't get to see depictions on screen or really in any media on screen, on stage of anti-Semitism that isn't rooted in the Holocaust. And that was something that was very meaningful and moving to me in this movie. Um, Even though it's not a large part of it, I think it is a large part of who Spielberg is and his career and everything that he's been working, uh, working through, through, through his life, through his working life. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, I also um, adored this movie. I thought it was really good. I agree with those points that you made. Um, I don't feel like it was indulgent to me. It felt like every time that it was getting there, he would twist the story and and move on to the next scene. Um, I don't mind, you know, for a director that has such a long career and has made so many films about so many topics and just such a broad uh, quantity of, of different genres and things like that. I don't mind going and doing something that's a little bit more personal. Um, I watched this one very close to when we did, we recorded the episode on on Roma. Um, on Roma. So I had a lot of those thoughts going on as I watched it as well. Um, I watched it and um, my family got it, got involved in watching it as well. So I was watching it on, I think it was during the winter break. And so I was at home and turning it on and my kids and my family started watching it with me and they got really uh, engaged with it and really enjoyed it. Um, I, I just thought it was a really beautifully shot movie, um, a really beautifully structured movie. And I enjoyed uh, as you said, I've seen 20 other Spielberg movies and all of the connections to those films as I was watching it, I really felt them. So I understood so much more of where Spielberg was coming from. And uh, yeah, I, I, I really, really like this movie a lot. Yeah, the two standout performances for me are the ones that did not get any Oscar love. Um so both Gabriel LaBelle, um, who plays Sammy, plays young Spielberg, and Paul Dano, I thought were just like the whole movie hinges on the two of them. Uh get Gabrielle in particular, like without and for such a young actor as well, without their performances, I don't know that this movie works at all. Um, and yeah, so they, they really propel the whole thing forward. I do kind of wish it had not, we'll, we'll talk about the scores that we loved this year. I do kind of wish it hadn't gotten in for score. There's only 22 minutes of original music in, in this movie. Um, and John Williams, uh, doesn't need the further accolades. Um, I think his career is going to be going to be fine regardless of whether of whether he got this nomination. But there are so many sequences in this movie that I just think back on so fondly. You get that sequence of him like shooting the um, his makeshift war movie, and mm-hmm. really oh his the the scene with the you know the weird the girl with the weird jesus fetish mm-hmm. um yeah. i just uh i mean i about died laughing with uh with her it just i don't know it's great stuff um all the stuff with like 
their monkey that randomly was in there. I thought Seth Rogen was also quite good. Seth Rogen uh, was great. Recently. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't generally love Seth Rogen films in general, but no, I thought that he was too. really good in this one. Um, so I don't know. It was, it was a really enjoyable one. Yeah. Um, this kid who just has an innate talent for taking stuff through a camera and making them tell a compelling story on film and watching him sort of discover that and of course culminates in um him doing his the the yearbook film for for his school yeah i think it really 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 lovely film yes and i won't don't want to spoil what happens but the very final scene um yeah it's really i thought it was masterfully constructed um and you know there's parts of the film where it felt like the structure of the film got a little bit like sidetracked from what yeah. it was trying to do um but that last part just is kind of elevates a lot of it um even above that and it was so personal that you can't help but uh, but just appreciate the risk that Spielberg was taking to put so much of his life on film in such a in such a big and personal way. Uh, yeah, there has been some criticism of this film um, for not using Jewish actors. Um, and I understand that from my fellow Jews. Uh, it was not an issue for me. This felt very... Um, the parts of this movie that needed to feel authentically Jewish did feel that way to me. Um, I understand why they wouldn't to to other Jews, but I do, I do want to say that to me it felt right and it felt good. Totally, yeah, totally understandable. Um, and I, you know, I wouldn't have noticed as, as much anything that might not have felt authentic. So uh, that wouldn't have stuck out to me as much. But I think that's a valid criticism. Um, it's not one that I noticed so much and um, I can only lean on what it is that you had to say about it. Uh, what do you have next? Uh, what I have next now, it's most of these, it's hard for me to tell exactly what it might be because, you know, they're of varying lengths and they are, you know, uh, blacked out. But, but this one, there's not a lot of options because it's very short. So I'm going to click on it, uh, the name, but it's nope, uh, a mm. four letter word. Um, so, yeah, which there was a lot of four letter word movies released this year. And uh, yeah, nope is one of those. So uh, that one I had on eighth on my list. Yeah, and, and I've got it number 10. So we're we're okay. revealing what my number 10 is here. Yeah, there we go. So um, ooh, there are so... I don't think there's another movie uh, on this list that when I came out of the theater, it changed so much of the way that I was just looking around at the world and everything around me. Um, the cinematography of this film was so beautiful and so mm -hmm. expansive uh that like driving home through southern nevada with the big empty skies you know with very few clouds uh i just was looking at the sky differently and that's not something that uh, any other movie on this list was able to accomplish i love the performances from uh so many of the people in this film um I I have it rated as my highest Jordan Peele film. I, I liked it that much. 
Um, I think I liked this one a lot more than most people did, uh, just because I connected with the the story and I felt like it kind of was deeper um, on, like it just kind of resonated at a deeper level than uh, Jordan Peele's other films. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya, I thought was phenomenal. Kiki Palmer, I thought was just a, a fantastic performance. Um, yeah, I, I love this one a lot. Uh, I kept looking at my list, like, is there any way I can get it higher on the list? And I just couldn't, uh, but I adored it. It was a great film. Yeah, um, this is one that it feels like the public discourse on it, um, the movie has really benefited from time. I think when it mm-hmm. came out, it certainly had its ardent supporters. Um, you were among those yes but the as the year has gone on the people who like it and i think even the people who are a little ambivalent on it of which um i wouldn't say that was me but it has moved up in my estimation as the year has gone on and i definitely um wish it had not gotten shut out at the Oscars. I think there is so much um, unbelievable yeah. work in this movie from uh, the sound to the editing to the cinematography. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this is a year of some really spectacular third acts of movies. Um, the... <laughs> I guess, yeah, the only other two I'd put above this we're going to talk about a little later. But the third act of this movie is just such... In the movie theater, it was such an absolute rush. And to feel like I was watching um, Jordan Peele figure out how... Figure out what he was going to do with all of this budget that he's now been gifted by Mm -hmm. becoming one of our preeminent filmmakers (laughs) sort of surprisingly I think just off of the success of Get Out um, because Us was only medium well received but watching him figure out how to what to do with that budget and then also how to film an expansive movie because I think both Get Out and Us feel very claustrophobic Um, Mm -hmm. which this movie does for the first couple acts as well. But then finally, he's just like, yeah, you know what? Fuck it. Like, I've got this whole desert and I am going to use, I think the, I think a lot of this is shot on IMAX, right? Yeah. So uh, most of it it's, and the cinematographer was Hoyt Van Hoytma, um, who worked on Dunkirk that we had mentioned and Mm -hmm. had done so much on IMAX. And that's a lot of why uh, he brought Hoyt Van Hoytma into this one was specifically um because of the IMAX work because they wanted to use that camera and they had a conversation about like if you in real life were trying to catch capture an alien um the, f- the first contact with an alien on film what camera would he use and Hoyt van Hoytman said I would use an IMAX it's the only one that would suffice for it is the only one that would uh get that perfect shot that I wanted and he's like well then we're doing as much of this movie as we can do in IMAX yeah, it looks unbelievable. Um, I was not, I haven't rewatched it, so I think I may feel differently. I was not quite as big a fan of Daniel Kluya in this one. I liked him fine. I had no 
issues with him but i came out of this movie feeling like kiki palmer had it's so good yeah done a, like had carried this movie and she was just she was so good un unreal and yeah the As, yeah I, I kind of like i i kind of felt like she should have been uh nominated for for an oscar but with with that said man that category is so packed it's stacked, it been, yeah. yeah it's a very stacked category i i don't think she would have had a chance of winning there um i this daniel kaluuya playing this um this part of a black man who's a cowboy and like um has that kind of cowboy and rural aesthetic uh i've known a bunch of people in like this in my life that he just captured that essence of like um attention uh between like parts of your personality i felt like he exhibited that in a way that i really enjoyed so that that's why his performance in particular stood out to me from this film yeah i think i could maybe yeah on rewatch i maybe would pick up on a few of those things i mean i all of his movies wait did i see get out a second time can't remember if I've seen it a second time or if I've just seen clips from it so many times that it feels like <laughs> I have. Uh, yeah. I can't wait to in a decade or so to go back and watch all of his his movies. I think yeah. there's going to be he's, he's an incredible filmmaker, and I think there. I think he's on his way up. Like he's experimenting with form in ways that I think is going to result in better things coming down the line. Yeah, and also there. I think if you go into this expecting a horror movie in the sense that um, Get people, Out or Us were. Yeah, where you're yeah. expecting it to just be horror, thrill after thrill after thrill, then you're not really going to get what you want. But there were some moments of this movie that were whew, as scary Legitimately as, terrifying. Yeah, yeah. as scary <laughs> so. as anything. Um, yeah, but it, it really is more of a first contact movie than anything. Um, and I think one of the mistakes that uh, was made in the marketing of this one is that at first there was a lot of effort to like not reveal that it was a first contact movie and kind of uh, pitch it as this kind of classic horror film. Mm-hmm. Um, and like maybe it was like ghosts or something like that. Um, but I think the film itself just works so much better if you're looking at it from this perspective, if you're prepared for this idea of questioning, like the relationship between human beings and their natural environment and, uh, and, and the way that we might look at that from the perspective of uh, extraterrestrials, I think that being prepared for that really improves the, the viewing experience. Yeah. Um, the people have talked a lot, like, and it's been a little unclear to me what they actually mean by this that people have been talking about is Jordan Peele becoming getting the same issue as M. Night Shyamalan. And some people I think have been talking about in the sense of like had such a great movie right off the bat and then spends his entire career trying to live up to that. Um, in that case, I think it's unfair and I wouldn't agree with it. But I think in the sense that both Jordan Peele and M. Night Shyamalan started with movies that have a pretty immaculate twist or a pretty immaculate 
switch that the movie hinges on and then you spend the rest of their filmography looking for the twist i think that's a rough place to go into a movie hoping to be um yeah and it was something that marred my viewing for both us and nope and i'm hoping for the next one i don't do that i don't have that issue and i'm able to just go along for the ride makes sense um for me additionally i feel like um he has such deep and insightful sharp social commentary in each of these films yeah i feel like nope um uh, take nope does it well but i think really steps it kind of in a different direction because it's a much more complex um complex isn't even the right word it's a um it's a topic that's being dealt with in nope that i feel hasn't been explored as thoroughly in cinema and so i think that that makes it stand out to me as well because of that Uh, there's a lot of things going on in nope but this idea of like the um, the relationship between humans and like the camera and our exploration in the the of the natural world and our ethical responsibility to the way that we photograph things that is a that is a really interesting a really interesting question mm-hmm. um and I think that a lot of filmmakers don't have the self-awareness to ask that question of what is the ethics of me even taking pictures of things yeah. I I agree. Um, Should we move on to the next one? Yeah, let's do that. So once again, I also have a pretty short title here. um, And that is, so this is my number six movie of the year. It is one we covered for the very podcast. So we don't have to get into it too much, but it is, of course, RRR. RRR. Yeah. So where does this land on your list? It did not land this high. Um, I think this is probably from the ones that, for my list, probably the biggest discrepancy, like what what kind of forever was for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I was gonna go look up where it falls exactly. Okay. I think I'll... it fell in like uh, nineteen to twenty five, somewhere in that range for me. Yeah. So I liked it. I thought it was very good. Um, it didn't hit quite as high for me as it did for a lot of other people. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, this is a movie that is just so this is one of those final acts that similar to Nope, I just thought was absolutely off the chain. And I loved it to pieces. Um, I don't have to talk about this movie too much. You can go listen to an entire podcast where we talked about it. But this movie is just such an absolute rush. And it is one that I was really, really hoping the Oscar committee was going to get in at best picture especially because there are a few that are nominated uh for best well there's a lot that were nominated for best picture that i would have put over this and at least one which we will touch on a little later uh i guess really two that we'll touch on later that i just really think should have should have been in it should have been in over this so yeah i was a little bit disappointed that this one didn't get as much uh oscar love especially for some of the performances um i think that that nominations for best actor would have mm-hmm. really benefited from having one of these one of these guys in there. Um, I don't NTR know. Or Ram Charan, yeah, they both would have improved the category, and it's a pretty yeah. stacked category at the top end. 
Um, um, and then, uh, so for me as well, RRR is right at the boundary between the films that I liked and really enjoyed and films that I, were kind of a chore to watch. So it made it above that bar. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed this one. Um, and the ones below it are the ones that are like, that one took some work for me to get into. That makes sense. Uh, I think one of my coworkers said it's coming back to theaters in March and he's going to go see it. And I think I'm going to go see it with him so I can watch it in the theater. <laughs> I think I would have had it higher if I'd seen time. it in the theater. Yeah. Because uh, I I mean, seeing it on streaming was great, but if I'd seen it in the theater, I think I think those action scenes would have just knocked my socks off. I think they would. So, and I want to hear that score loud. Yes, for sure. For sure. Uh, what do you have next? Speaking on movies that I really wish that I could have seen in the theater. Um, Uh-oh. Yeah. So my the next one on my list is Prey. Mm. Which I don't think that you've gotten to watch yet. Is that I correct? Ha- no, I have not. It's my dumb brain. I thought I was going to get it in, but it's just like in order to watch it, I have like three other movies I want to watch first because I want to. Yeah finish catching up on the predator series so i am gonna do it this year especially with the news that there's a new alien movie in the works like just finish off this little crossover universe and be caught up on on all of them i thought i was gonna get it in but i just couldn't yeah yeah i mean this is the dan trachtenberg movie it is set in the predator universe but it is um a like pretty far advanced prequel from what I understand. I haven't watched any other Predator movies, so I have no idea. Um, mm. But from what I understand, <laughs> this one is a, uh, it is set like a hundred years or something like that before the, the next uh, Predator movie in the series. Um, and it does not require um, it. I, I understand you, your uh, position on, on going and watching something this uh, far into a series, but for folks that are wondering about whether they can watch prey and just enjoy it, it does not, not require having seen a predator movie at all to enjoy it. It doesn't, the way the film is structured does not require any prior knowledge. Um, I think there's one Easter egg that I didn't get that I probably would have um would have really connected with if i had uh seen the other ones after having looked up i was like what was going on with that thing looked up and i was like oh okay that's an easter egg i didn't realize that but everything else oh i really really connected with this one um i thought that amber mid thunder was so incredibly good in this film and there's another person that i really wish had gotten an academy award uh, nomination but was ineligible to do so because this film never came in theaters um, my biggest issue with this film was just the fact that I couldn't see it in the theater, but it was uh, just nonstop action, just heart pounding. Um, it had me on the edge of my seat the entire t- time. And then on top of it had these really like deep and complex and thoughtful um, approaches to social commentary that that I most films aren't able to achieve. And it exemplifies the ways in which a science fiction film can approach uh, these kinds of topics in a way that other stories can't. So for me as a lover of science fiction, it was such a good example of the genre. And I just adored this film. I I don't know. It's a, I could watch it a hundred times. I don't think I'd ever get bored. Uh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm really excited to not have to watch a bunch of 
uh, back catalog, well, a bunch of stuff that feels like I'm checking boxes for 2022 so I can get to get to this one. And then uh, there's a couple other um, upcoming movies in this year that I want to cross off some yeah some back catalog it's, stuff for so i am yeah it makes sense so oh, um i, I should say film. i will so my 2022 rankings i have everything living in a spreadsheet right now which i will make publicly viewable and put in the show notes so if anyone wants to go look and see where something lands after i've watched it um that will that i will live update so that will be yes will be That'd findable be great. and you, you can find matt keeps his matt's flick chart is updated um mine is not so i keep mine updated pretty much within an hour after seeing any movie i watch so it's, yeah. it's pretty up to date i was hoping i was gonna finish updating mine but i just yeah i i have not yeah it makes sense so folks you should go i think this is a film that a lot of people probably miss because it didn't ever hit the theaters um it is it is so incredibly good. Um, should have been in the theaters. The only reason why it wasn't in theaters was because of weird contractual contractual things where if Disney put it in the movie theater, then they would have had to give it over the streaming rights to share with HBO. So in order to avoid that, they only released it on Hulu. So they didn't have to share any of the streaming rights. Um, from what I understand, it was a massive success on Hulu streaming. Yeah. So that's good news, but like, I I just I cannot imagine how beautiful this film would have looked in the theater, uh, similar to Nope in the way that it was shot and uh, just the great cinematography with incredible vistas that also this like heart pounding action. Um, it was a good one. Yeah, I I can't wait. One good thing about it not getting released in theaters is that you can't be disappointed that the Oscar committee chose not to recognize it because yeah. they probably wouldn't because probably not. it is science fiction. Yeah, probably not. So uh, Excellent. All right. So my next one, I think I know what this is. Yeah, this is my number five movie of the year. I feel so basic having it there. The woman next to me on the plane yesterday was watching it while we were going through really turbulent weather. And it was too turbulent for me to focus on the movie I was watching, but then I just ended up watching her watch it. And that, of course, <laughs> is Top Gun Maverick. Oh, okay. Yeah. So <laughs> excellent. Yeah. Uh I think like like I list the best climaxes best final acts final action sequences for movies i have ever seen and i think it is like matrix one and then probably top gun maverick i just the way this movie built to its final climax and i am not a top gun original fan we watched it yeah. for the first time during the pandemic and i was just kind of like okay <laughs> i don't really understand like didn't seem cool to me. I didn't really like know what was going on. Didn't really get engaged with the story, but, um, and we did, you know, we did do it right. We did see it in IMAX. And so it was, I did feel the theater rattle and I was uh -huh. like holding on to the arms of my chair during, um, during a lot of those flight sequences, but the way this movie 
I think it's already really difficult to edit flying sequences. I think it is just yeah. so hard to make it seem like you know what's going on. But the way this sure. movie laid out for you, like, here's the goal. Here's why it's so difficult. Here's all the times that they're failing, where it's like showing you that final. It's like, imagine if the Star Wars trench run, you had watched them fail that trench run, like, 30 times earlier and then in they the did movie. it yeah so that by the yeah. time you hit it you know like where every curve is where every thing is and then the like on top of that and i don't want to spoil it but there's still like a whole additional climax in the movie after that yeah. and yeah. the it just felt like the way they pieced that together fits so perfectly for me in the movie theater and you know, say what you will about Tom Cruise, say what you will about the cowardly, apolitical nature of this movie and uh, the fact that yeah. a lot of people took it to be pretty pro-war in a way that I'm yeah. not really sure is correct. But then again, as I said, the movie was pretty cowardly, so it's like hard to blame them for taking that from it. And I don't care, like I just loved it to pieces and I loved watching it on this woman's the back of this chair with no sound yesterday while the plane was giving me uh my own 4D experience yeah yeah uh, <laughs> I can't imagine watching this movie on an airplane um that, that's gotta be that's gotta be something else um I so I had a lot of fun watching this movie I went on saw it on opening day with my parents uh, and my dad is a pilot he was a helicopter pilot but um for um the first top gun that was a movie that was in heavy rotation in our household when i was mm -hmm. younger and um my dad has a lot of uh looks that are similar to to tom cruise so oh funny I, yeah and so top gun i i don't know i've seen it probably like 50 60 times something like mm. that the first top gun and i really really like it but it also has kind of a weird political message to it the first one um so uh going into this one i didn't have super high hopes because i was like i mean what are they gonna do the first top gun is perfect and i thought that it basically matched the first top gun and was uh uh in some ways kind of exceeded it but uh, the first top gun was kind of revolutionary for its time with how it was doing things so it's hard to like balance out between that uh, the cinematography on Top Gun Maverick was just <laughs> incredible. Watching behind the scenes stuff on how they shot those those airplane sequences is just completely nuts. And uh, you know, Tom Cruise just you know learns how to fly airplanes, and then he goes and makes a film like this and does a lot of the flying sequences himself. It's it's just crazy. Um, and they're just getting airplanes up with cameras and following through the maneuvers in order to catch the footage. And it's something that takes such an incredible level of expertise that uh, if, unless you have Tom Cruise and the crew that he has a, been able to put together, you just can't even make this film. Like, you can't touch what this film is doing. Um, for me, the reason why it's a little bit lower is because I had a hard time detaching myself with kind of those extra extraneous things, mm -hmm. like the politics of the film and like going in. And it was one of the first films that I was watching 
um, like coming back from COVID where there was basically nobody in the theater wearing any masks and it was pretty packed and the dem demographics of the movie theater seemed to skew quite old and quite conservative. Um, and so that felt me, gave me a kind of weird feel as I was going into it. And then um, having loved the original so much and seeing so many of the same beats kind of reproduced for, for me, it took me out of it a little bit as well. Uh, so I, I don't know, maybe if I watch it back a few more times, it'll move up my list. Uh, but that's why it, it didn't make it up higher. Um, but I sure did enjoy watching the film and the reactions uh, from my family as they were watching it. Do you know where it is on your list? Do you have it? Oh, I think it's uh, it's similar to um, similar to RRR. I had it basically in the same place. I think it was 23, something like that. Got it. Yeah. So, yeah, basically in the same place as RRR. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and it's similar vibes for me with the two films that it were, uh, you know, action films that were incredibly shot well and great performances that, uh, you know, people really loved and connected with. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's a good, fun film. Um, the, you know, a couple of things that took me out of it, but that's okay. Yeah. Uh, so that's my last A minus. Um, so, and I should have said of my top 10, the only one that was not an A minus, uh, it's my highest B plus was nope. Excellent. Um, uh, so what's next for you? What do you got? I can't tell at this point with the what it is. So I'm going to click on it. So um, I no longer have the short ones. Oh, OK, so number four, this is one that we covered for the podcast as well. Um, Ooh, it was yes. there's only there's only two movies left from 2022 that we covered. And so will you be able to guess which one it was? I, it wasn't Crush. It was I the can. It's my number nine. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I so I had the Sea Beast a little bit higher than you did uh, because I love this movie so much and I connected with it uh, a lot. Um, it's not gotten as much love as I really hoped it would. Um, and I have kind of been a staunch uh, supporter of this film uh, for a long time. I had it up at number three on my list. Um, so it's it, it made it very high and it would make it as my uh, choice for best animated picture for this year. But I also know that there's a strong competition in that category from uh, Pinocchio and from um puss in boots the last wish which i haven't watched and i don't plan on watching because i don't like all the other shrek movies and so i don't know that i'll ever get around to watching the last wish even though i've heard that it's great uh yeah i i watched shrek 2 so that i could sort of try and get through all of those but then shrek 3 isn't i'd have to rent it and i just haven't been like yeah, I want to yeah. rent Shrek 3 so that I can watch Puss in Boots uh, <laughs> in 2. The Last Wish. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so, But that's the only animated nomination I haven't seen. Um, I did see Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. And ugh, honestly, I, I seem to be divergent from everyone else on that movie. It is pretty, pretty low for me. Let's see if I can find where it is. Yeah, so I have it as my highest C at 56. Um, and that's mostly because, like, I really appreciated the look and the animation of the movie. But yeah. the um, the story didn't really do it for me 
and yeah, we don't we don't people have to love talk about stop it. motion though. Um, I mean, it looks great. Like, and I understand it probably took took forever, but there were there was it didn't feel like they had like finished the story to me. So yeah, I've been just a little confused by by the amount of love that movie has been getting. Um, but sure. the Sea Beast would definitely be what I would vote for for animated feature. The... Yes, I, I pro I. Uh, there's been a lot of years where the animated movie is my favorite movie of the year. Um, and I felt like uh, it should have been nominated for best picture. Um, this year, I think I probably would have put it in, in the top 10, but there's uh, I can understand it. Not like it's in my top three, but I can also understand why there's other movies that would go in above it from like a craft perspective. Mm-hmm. I just personally connected with this one a lot more. And there's other ones on here that, uh, that we'll get to that. I really adored them, but I, I also probably wouldn't nominate them for best picture. Like there's a discrepancy between my personal ranking and what I would uh, say for a best picture. And I think this is one of those, I would put it into the top 10, but I don't think it would be one that would be, I would vote for as a favorite to win. Um, with that said, I love the Sea Beast. I thought it was a really, really good animated film. I thought it was just like an instant classic. We did record an entire episode about it, though, so everybody can go listen to us wax poetic about that for two hours. Um, yes, but it on, does fulfill our our trifecta of water movies. Yes, uh, the trifecta of water movies. Yeah, um, and uh, the trifecta of anti-colonialism movies. So. Uh well, there's a lot more than that anti-colonial movies, right? For sure, yes, there's it, a lot. It was a big year for anti-colonialism. Mm-hmm. It definitely, definitely was. Um, uh, the three that I had on my top ten list is one of those. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's move on to what I have next. Uh, right. Yeah. So my number four. I guess I would have thought this was on your list, but I. I don't know. So this, I have this at A, and it is a sequel. It is Glass Onion, A Knives Out mm. Mystery. Yes, I do have it on my list, but I have it as number nine. Number nine. So, okay. Yeah. So, wow. So I am higher on this movie than you are. Yeah, um, but I love this movie, and there was, I just couldn't fit everything in. Right. So it, uh, I felt like, you know, if my top 10 could have 15 movies, then I could have fit, fit a lot more things in. And it was, it was getting tight. Uh, but I, I really liked Glass Onion a lot too. Yeah. The, I mean, this movie, both of these two uh, Knives Out movies, I do agree with people that. I generally prefer the first one. I think it is probably a better movie, but a couple things that just make them both hit on every cylinder for me. I think Immaculate Script. I think the script is just extremely well thought thought out in um, in both cases. Keeps you guessing until the very end of the movie. I think they have strong extremely strong points of view without ever being preachy and the um so that that's why i have it so high for me and then uh just unbelievable performances from all of their all of their performers um i thought yeah. anna de Armas was great in the first one and i think janelle monet is <laughs> equally 
great in this one. Um, oh, she's so good. I love Janelle Monae in this movie. I think the score is fantastic as well, even is, though I don't. Yes. Um, we're we're going to talk about the scores we loved a little later, and it doesn't quite hit my top three for that. But one thing I did read was um, that they had the there's a mention of a fugue is it a fugue yes yeah there's a mention of a fugue in the movie and that then they had decided to construct the movie as a fugue where um and once i saw that i was like oh that is such a clever um such a clever construction for this movie and of course um just to hit me right in the feels it is our last time that we get to see Stephen Sondheim which was a oh. very uh welcome surprise and I think the we do have a really nice trio of eat the rich movies this year um we have mm-hmm. this one we have triangle of sadness and we have uh the menu as well and for me this is the one that worked the best I thought it was the one that was the most thought out the and the clearest in terms of what it was trying to say yes and the timing of this movie when it came out with all the elon musk stuff that was going on was just yeah. incredible um it was so good i did get the chance to see this movie in theaters and it looks incredible too in the the first knives out also looked very good and look uh and um but glass onion has just like that house and that island has such a distinctive look to it that just is incredible to see in the movie theater. Yeah, production design, A+. A plus for me on this one. I just want to watch, you know, like uh, 10 more Daniel Craig Knives Out movies. They're so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm... Absolutely. Uh, with, uh, with Ryan Johnson at the helm. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Love Ryan Johnson. He's my god. I love him. Uh... Do you want to say anything else about Glass Onion or what do you... Um, I don't have anything else to say about it, I don't think. Just the performances, it's so many, every performance was great. And it's so many great performances, just depth of acting from every person that ends up on the camera. Um, and like a commitment to the role that um, you don't get from these kinds of ensemble casts all the time. Um, so I really like that a lot. The only other thing I guess I will say here, I ha- I hesitate to say it if you haven't seen the movie because I don't want to, I don't want to ruin people's expectations. But I feel like it's pretty rare for a movie to hit the point where there's like ten minutes left in the film, and my reaction is I have no idea how they are going to get out of this. <laughs> there, there's one specific yeah. moment at the end of this movie where the antagonist does something and I'm like well what are they going to do now and yeah it's easy to put a movie into that situation and a lot harder to do it and then also stick the landing and yes I felt like this movie did it extremely well 
Um, yes, I know exactly which moment you're talking about. And I think most people will be able to figure it out. But yeah, I agree. It's a uh, and then when you figure out what's happening and it's going in slow motion towards that moment mm-hmm. and you're like slowly playing, you're playing catch up in your mind yep. and you figure it out just a little bit before uh, the protagonist does it. And you're like, oh, my goodness, I cannot believe this. And it just blows my mind. Yeah, it's great. Uh, editing for this movie impeccable as well yes um, incredible. a lot of yeah a, lot and a of very difficult movie it. to edit correctly yeah it works so. perfectly yes. uh what do you have what do you have next okay i'm not sure what this one's gonna be i'm at variable lengths now on the names but okay so yeah this one's a fun one this one is one that i particularly loved and connected with me with me in the feelings in a way that i think the vast majority of people aren't going to connect with it in the same way so out of all the movies on the list i think this is the one that i would rank the highest and has the biggest discrepancy from like where i think um the looking at it from a craft perspective would put it uh but it just had me like sobbing in tears when i was in the movie theater and cheering and adoring it and quickly shot up my list of favorite mcu movies um it's thor love Mm. and thunder um and i just i love this movie so much And watching it when I went into the theater as like a girl dad watching Thor Love and Thunder and connecting with the way the story was being told and uh, all of the emotional beats with um, the the trio of main characters with um, um, Chris Hemsworth and Natalie Portman and um, Christian Bale those three characters kind of the way that all that story uh, came up came together worked so well for me i thought that it looked beautiful even though i know there's a lot of complaints about the use of the volume and the use of the special effects but for me it worked really well and i thought there was a lot of incredibly beautiful scenes um i thought the writing of this movie was really good and worked really well with me um but yeah i connected with it a lot and i loved it and i think that a lot of people probably didn't connect with it in the same way no i'm not that far off from you this is my 16th highest movie of the year um so i have it at b plus i have a pretty big discrepancy where i where this movie lands for me and where other where it lands for other people um i have it above ragnarok personally which i know is not common for a lot of people mm-hmm. um this movie has... i also have it above ragnarok for yeah, yeah so um ragnarok just kind of feels like a fetch quest to me um Mm -hmm. well i think it is a fetch quest and so because of that it feel it like it's just harder for it to climb higher up on on the list for me but this movie um the has two of my favorite set pieces in the mcu i think that black and white set piece is just so awesome the black and white moon it's yeah i love it and um so many complaints about the volume and so i know that there's kind of like a uh kind of like a poisoning of the well going on with this but that is the kind of scene where the volume works like Mm -hmm. it's that uh that's what you're wanting to do with it is that kind of scene and i realize there's a lot of ways that it's getting used that aren't very helpful like when i saw ant-man quantumania there's a lot of volume stuff that i didn't quite connect with but in that black and white moon scene i thought that was i thought that was incredible i thought it was really good i thought um the the way they put those special effects together and used the color as a storytelling technique, uh, it really worked for me. Yeah, I, I 
yeah, I I loved this movie. I I kind of can't believe I don't have any MCU movies in my top 10. Um, that doesn't happen very often. Um, but I also have Doctor Strange at 14. Um, yeah. So which I'm guessing I have quite a bit, quite a bit higher than you. Uh, a little bit higher than me, but I have it probably pretty close. I've moved it up um, mm-hmm. uh, after watching it later on. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure exactly where it's at, but close to probably like 18 or something like that, I think. Uh, and I guess also that initial set piece in Thor Love and Thunder, which I don't think about all that often, that one is also excellent um, where he's doing yeah. doing the splits and yeah. I loved it. I, I mean, I thought it was fun and great. Um, I don't know. People uh, people have seemed to not like that movie, and there was so much negative press with it. And it all made me love it more. So I, some of that might be a reaction to uh, the more negative things people said about it, the higher it moved up on my list because I adored it. And I was like, you're not seeing what I'm seeing about this. I wrote an entire essay about this one. And so if people want to go check out on um, my blog on oraymw.wordpress.com, you can go see where I go in long form on the reason why I connected with this movie so much. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll put it in the show notes. Um, it does feel, um, yeah, it does feel like there was a little Taika, tight, Taika, tight backlash. Uh, yeah, I just was like, yeah. all of a sudden, his name sounds funny coming out of my mouth. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't sure yeah. if I was pronouncing it correctly, but yes, it felt like there was some backlash that was just like. Uh, I understand that media saturation happens for people and then they get fed up with someone, especially if your humor is as specific as his is. Um, But it felt like people just weren't really being as honest with themselves. Look, if you get fatigued with someone, I think that's totally fine. I just want people to be cognizant of what's going on and be honest with themselves. Um, Instead, it felt like attacks on him that I didn't really think were all that fair. Yeah, I I generally agree. So, okay, should I go? Let's move on to the next one. Okay, my next one. Yep, I have another really short title. You can probably yeah. I think I know which one this one is. There's not very many films left that that they can be, and so I'm pretty sure I know which one this one is. Yeah. So this is my number three of the year. Um. And it is Tar, an absolute tour de force movie. I mean, this is a movie that was kind of made for me. This is about mm-hmm. a conductor and it's a movie that just sort of lives in the music world. And I cannot believe how well they nailed the world of music. There were so many music jokes when we were watching there were a lot of times where i laughed and mary was like oh i guess that's a z joke (laughs) i guess that's (laughs) i guess that's a music joke um when when she said uh rubato more like roboto (laughs) i was just like i have heard musicians talk as cattily as she did in this movie and i thought it was such i mean the cinematography in this movie is already pretty flawless. Um, the um, sort of the centerpiece is that scene 
in Juilliard that is all done in one where oh, great um, scene yeah incredibly shot scene yeah where that ends with her at the end of this long wonder that I'm pretty sure there were no cheat moments in there where they could have cut and she ends up playing piano at the end of that um which she did all her own piano playing and all her own conducting in this movie um, seemed to me like she played well and conducted well too so you're she, you're more of the expert but it seemed really good to me she definitely did play well um there was a part of me that was like well but she didn't actually play anything difficult <laughs> um yeah. for someone who is supposed to be such a vaunted um piano player um which probably was one of the only things that took me out of the movie i've seen more um criticisms of her conducting um okay which i think is fair but also didn't really take me out of the movie that much because as she says in the movie like a lot of what a conductor does happens in rehearsal and by the time you get to the show it's sort of predetermined yeah that makes sense um yeah it's hard for me to to i don't know for those things to take me out too much because they're actors you know (laughs) so yeah uh, i i can't expect an actor to be as good at a craft as someone that's dedicated their life to it and the the place that i see this is whenever i watch any movie or tv show that has teachers in it um sure and people like rave about them and they think they're so great. And I'm like, well, okay. So from a teacher perspective, you know, that they do not have, it is so clear how little expertise they have in it, but that doesn't mean it's not good. It's just like, obviously because I am a teacher, I notice those things. So uh, I'm not going to judge uh, <laughs> someone for not having expertise that takes uh, decades of your life in order to craft that expertise when they're portraying it as an actor uh yeah i i agree Kate blanchett in we'll talk about it a little later in this movie is just impeccable but really yeah, i think so uh her partner is as well um yeah. i don't have the the name of the actress who plays her um i think the the conversation around this movie is very weird to me um I think it is clear that Todd Fields wanted to uh, it's a movie dealing with a lot of important stuff and a lot of um, obviously the cancel culture conversation is one that we are having now and will continue to have for a long time and the intersection of power and talent and how those things can interact with each other in a negative way and how much power victims can and do and should have over their accusers and this movie is pretty pretty careful not to take a not to take a clear stance on those things um or at least not take an overt stance on those things Personally, I think the stance is pretty clear. So I've been a little confused by a I, lot of the. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I agree. I think that the stance is pretty clear on this one. I think that it's trying not to be heavy handed. Yes. Uh, but I think that it's clear. Um, and I think that a lot of the uh, the discourse that I have seen around this is 
um, not being generous and this idea that you can make a statement without trying to just like, you know, write a Cliff's note version of the, your message into the text of the, of the story. Um, everything is, uh, is intended to be read closely um, and in, intended to be looked at, um, you know, with some thought and spending some time with it. And so if you're not willing to do that, of course, it's that message might go past you. But I think the message is pretty clear about the the way that Lydia Tarr abuses her power, that she's able to get away with it for such a long time. And it's really difficult for her to face any real consequences. And a big part of this is because there is like an industrial uh, commercial complex that is uh, working so hard to rehabilitate her image afterwards. And so she has a lot of like personal accountability that she runs into because of the choices that she makes. But at the same time, she's on this journey of like recuperation because so many people are invested in getting her back onto that track. So I don't know. I, I feel like that message got kind of went over people's heads a little bit. Yeah, and it's unfortunate. I do think that this movie is does talk about um I think it, I think one of the things that it is saying is that part of what makes abusers so difficult to suss out and so difficult to deal with is that people are complex and that a yeah. lot of times abusers do bring a lot of value to the artistic world that they're living in. And that is something that's really hard to deal with. As someone who has worked with directors who I would consider, uh, I don't really like the word brilliant, but brilliant is kind of like the word that we've all agreed works best for those types of people. People who are able to look at the artistic things that they're creating in a way that is seemingly unique to them, um, who are also abusers, it is really hard to navigate those situations. And it's particularly difficult to navigate determine like that binary when you're finally going to switch in your head and be like, oh, yes, they are abusers because mm -hmm. you try and forgive so much for the unparalleled artistic excellence or the perceived unparalleled artistic excellence that they are bringing to the table. And um, yeah. So and it's really easy to overlook red flags because, you know, the other thing is that generally... Uh, people want to be generous with each other until you hit that point where you're like, I can't, I, I know something is going on. And even if you are opposed to these kinds of things, it has to hit that point before you really pull the trigger. And uh, it's like um, suddenly everything tips over and everything come becomes clear, but people that are abusive are really good at hiding their abuse. And I, I think that sometimes people um, underestimate that like people that are abusive are, so good at coming off as if they are not. And if you haven't had that experience of someone that you love and trust that is revealed to be an abusive, terrible person that they were so good at hiding it for so long, I can un like I can understand that that would be a very big disconnect for you. But for me, seeing this, I've seen this person so many times yeah. in my life. It rings so completely true. 
Um, and I do want to talk about the third act of this movie quickly because I think um, initially it hit me a little wrong and then I did some reading about it and it hit me even worse and then I finally came to a reading of it that ended up bumping the movie up to my third highest movie of the year. <laughs> um, so if you don't want to hear that, jump ahead a little bit. Um, the third act of this movie gets into this very surreal world. And there's been a lot of discourse online of like, did it really happen? Is it all in Lydia's head? Um, it seems so unbelievable that they'd let her into this performance at the end. Um, and so there have been some takes on it that it's sort of all a fever dream for her. None of it's real. Um, that made me like the movie less. But where I finally ended up coming down on this is that I think it's clear that Lydia is a severe narcissist in this movie. Yeah. And you get to see, except for the opening shot of the movie, you get to see basically everything through her point of view. And the reading that I came down on this that I liked the most is that it's an exploration of how narcissists don't are unable to give you a clear worldview and it becomes increasingly unable for them to view the world in a way that is reliable as everything begins to spin out of control around them. And that was the feeling that I think he was creating here and all of those sort of unresolved things, all of the stuff that's like, is it in her head? Is it not in her head? Um, yeah. I, yeah. So that's where I landed on that. Makes sense to me. Yeah. And it, and yeah, it, it bumped it up. Where is it on your list? I have it as number 11 and number 11, it was okay. in my top 10 until like the last second. Um, and uh it was in my top 10 and then i had to revise my list afterwards so uh, i adored this movie i thought it was very good um and it's another one that i was like i i didn't i wanted to get it into my top 10 and couldn't quite figure out how to make it work so yeah yeah it was great though great film all right let's move on to our next film right. um this one's mine right yeah it's yours i think i know what it is let's see it is Okay, yes. This one was the one that knocked Tar off of my top 10 list. Oh, no. Uh, because, yeah, I didn't get to watch it until afterwards, but it just moved really high up. I don't know if you've gotten to see all the breathes yet. Um, Oh, this was not what I was expecting. Yes, I have seen it. It's quite a bit lower on my list. Okay, interesting. Yeah, um, I... Oh, my goodness. I love this movie so much. Uh, this is a documentary. Um, it is a documentary. I don't know how to describe it exactly, but it is about two brothers who are trying to save uh, these birds. Um, Kites is the name of birds in India and kind of the process that they're going through trying to save these birds. Um, I thought it was just stunning. Um, the cinematography I thought was so good. And there's this particular thing that they do with the cinematography where they get so just like embedded with um with animals and with even insects and things like that and they bring the camera in um close to to 
these things, these things that breathe um, and just see things from their point of view. And it's something that I don't see from uh, cinematographers very often. And then it does this weird thing where it uses like the aperture and the, um, and the, oh, um, I forget the the name for this, but the 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 distance, the focus distance of the camera, mm-hmm. and so we'll be looking at this thing, and then gradually changes the focus, and you're seeing something that is beyond behind the frame, or you're seeing something that is close to the frame. But when the focus changes, the other things become invisible, and this idea of like that there's so many things around us that we are connected to, but that we don't see and that we don't understand uh, really stood out to me. I thought it was a beautiful story. Um, It was my favorite documentary of the year. And it just, one of my favorite documentaries of all time. Uh, It took them a long time to film this movie, something like three or four years to put it together. Um, And, you know, on a very limited budget, like basically no money trying to put this together. And I adored it. I thought it was so, so good. And um, I saw it was the last movie from 2022 that I have seen. And it jumped all the way up on my rankings after I watched it. Uh, Yeah. So it's number 26 for me. I have it in like the solid B level. I actually have it right below Navalny. Um, Okay. So not quite. Yeah. I mean, I love Navalny. Yeah. Um, There are a lot of moments in this movie where you forget that it's documentary footage like especially all those shots of animals and of the of the animals throughout the city it's like oh this is it seems staged and i did listen to an interview with the director and he said some of them it was like a month and a half of just shooting until they got the exact shot of that situation that they that they wanted um so i i totally get it being as high for you i wasn't i didn't wasn't able to get quite as wrapped up in the narrative so it was more of an intellectual appreciation for me on this one um but yeah i i liked it a lot i just didn't love it like i mean it's understandable it's a i don't know for some reason i just it made me cry so many times. Mm. Like I really just I was falling in love with these dang birds. And I love the way that it portrayed the birds as being simultaneously like beautiful and majestic and having these like regal frames to them when they're in the camera and when they're flying in the sky. And also just like um, being in this mass of, uh, of birds just eating garbage. And so mm-hmm. the juxtaposition of these two things and um, the, the way that it portrays kind of the humanity of working so hard on something that nobody else seems to care about, uh, I really connected with. Um, I don't know. I, I adored this movie and I really hope it wins uh, Best Documentary. Uh, I don't think it will at this point, but I guess we don't know. I think it will. I think it you will. Do? I'm pulling okay. for it. Um, you know, I've read a lot of uh, discussion about the uh, the documentary, and it seems that there's a lot of people that are uh, that have this one really high, um, especially since it was released released on HBO. I think so. I just think Navalny's been picking up steam lately. Oh man, so... Navalny was good though. Yeah, yeah. So it's hard to beat like the. Navalny has a much more flashy uh, political context 
than yes. all that breathes does. Right. So um, I think that it might pick up, you know, people might connect with it because of that, but I don't know. I, I prefer this, this story that's just about, you know, it's so personal. And so uh, it's so close to things that people don't normally care about. So anyway, I love the, all that breathes. I, it, this film is on HBO. I think that people will really like it. Um, if they go through and watch it, it's such a good documentary. And I have it just as one of my best documentaries that I've ever seen, let alone like from this year. Nice. Uh, should I do I'm glad I, that I had one that surprised you, though. Yeah, no, I thought yours was going to be what I'm guessing my next one is. Uh, so should I click it? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so this is my number two movie of the year. Uh, I think it's feckin' great. And yeah. of course, it is Banshees <laughs> of Inishirin. Um, I love this movie so much. I had it as number five. So it's, yeah, it's sad at my number two since I saw it. But I did just rewatch it with Mary because she wanted to see it. And I couldn't give it a rankings bump, but I did bump it up from A to A plus mm-hmm. because there I this probably would happen with a good number of movies on this list, but on rewatch, once I knew what was going to happen, I was able to track how smart and concise I think all of the plotting of the movie is and how everything just sort of segues into um, segues into something else and sets up something else. And I think um, kind of an interesting companion piece to Tar in the sense that it's like the difference between being nice and the difference between uh having a legacy that will last and i don't think that's a dichotomy that martin mcdonough is necessarily interested in exploring but it is a dichotomy that the characters in the film are feeling um and something that i didn't pick up on the first time through um i didn't get the civil war metaphor between Mm. the two of them um Yes, I didn't understand this either until I read an article after watching it. So I'm curious how that would affect my viewing if I rewatched it a second time. It it really worked the second time, not in the sense. I don't think that there's like specifics from that Irish Civil War um, that you can lay on the two of them. But I think just the tragedy of brothers, of friends, like fighting each other Um and again, um, very different from After Sun, um, but again, a movie about untreated mental illness and the tragedy mm-hmm. of that and dealing with it in a way that felt very real and never preachy. And I think if you're not looking for it in the movie, it's not something you pick up on. Um, but the yeah yes i i totally get that and um in but to add on to that i think that it deals with mental illness in really interesting ways because your three male characters like three main male characters seem to me all clear have clearly have different kinds of uh mental illnesses or disabilities that are interacting in such like interesting ways with like masculinity kind of as a uh, layer even on top of all that um 
I know that Colin Farrell um, is, has been pretty vocal and talked a lot about how he has uh, ADHD. And as a person watching this, the an ADHD person watching this and seeing Colin Farrell's portrayal with a character that I think also is clearly like depicting someone that has ADHD um, and is going through like these cycles of hyper focus and a lack of focus and this difficulty of like um, understanding or worrying, stressing, having anxiety about the way that your friends are going to be responding to the things that you're uh, that you're doing it's like a very distinct fear for people with ADHD um I don't know it I connected with that in particular like someone who has this illness portraying this illness and me watching as someone with the illness I connected with that very strongly yeah something you had said in discord was um that this movie is really horrifying if you're someone who suffers from this fear of do all of my all of the people who I think are my friends secretly hate me yeah um which I think is something you said is connected with ADHD which as far as I know I don't have but that is a symptom that I suffer from and found that uh pathos extremely moving Mm -hmm. in this movie um yeah yeah i that i can like it's so funny and so sad it's yeah um, it is yeah it's really really good um as soon as i saw i remember when the trailer came out, came out for this i watched like half the trailer and i was like turn that off i need to watch this movie and not know anything about it so um i don't know it's a it was super good um and i enjoyed it and laughed and cried uh and it's very high on my list and the way the way they captured this fictitious island, mm-hmm. boy, oh boy, does it look beautiful. It is. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Uh, it really absolutely does. stunning. And incredible performances from the whole cast. Vaughn um, um, Farrell is really good, but so is Carrie Condon. Um, yeah. So is um, uh, Bernard Gleason. So is Barry Keoghan. Uh, just really, really standout performances from all four of them. Yep. And uh, great, great animal performances, too. Great animal performances that are particularly difficult to direct. Um, and they did they did a really good job. Uh, this movie does have my favorite line of the entire year in it. Which, which, is, which was that one? Uh, I'm not making my donkey go outside when I'm sad. It's really good. Yeah. Which as someone really who good. has previously I mean still is, but now I have a dog, so it's just a little less uh important. But stuffed animals <laughs> have been a big part of my life and something that I have derived a lot of comfort from. Um so I felt that moment very strongly and now derived from my dog as well. So it has one of my favorite uh, lines as well, which is when they're in the confessional and he says, um, uh, I don't think that the Lord ca- um, uh, cares that much about miniature donkeys. And he responds, <laughs> that's what I'm afraid of. Um, so it's really, really good. Oh. I love this movie. I don't know. It's uh, it, I have a feeling that if I watch it a bunch more times, it probably moves up my list, but. No, it's really high already. It's in my top hundred. There's the top hundred space is getting very crammed at the moment. So I know I love this movie. Clearly, it's my number two. I bumped it up to A plus. Yeah. 
yeah, it's great. I feel like there might not be a ton of suspense with what, because you only have one left, right? I only have one left, yeah. Yeah, I think there might not be a ton of suspense here, both for me, you, and the listener. Yeah, it's a, especially because I think we've mentioned this one several times, but the movie that I had at the top, and I suspect that it was also at the top of your list, was Everything Everywhere All at Once, mm-hmm. um, which... I don't know. It feels like a movie that was perfectly made for me. Um, no, it was a movie that was perfectly made for me. Right? It's so good. Uh, I ended up watching this with my family a couple of weeks ago for the uh, the second time. And I was worried about how well it would hold up. And I my worries were completely unfounded because I liked it even more the second time. Um, I don't know. I just adore this movie. And it's such a weird feeling. And you'd mentioned this to me as well. But this weird feeling of going into a movie in when did this come out? Like March. So um, I saw it April 4th. Yeah. So yeah. seeing it. Near and I the saw beginning it pretty early, year, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And watching it and thinking, I don't know how any other movie is going to beat this from the year. And then just having every movie that I watch afterwards just not quite meet the this film. Um, incredible. And then seeing it uh, get so much love uh, coming into the Oscars has been an incredible feeling. Normally movies that are like this and that I love in this way do not get respect from the, from the Academy. And so seeing, uh, seeing the award shows um, give it so much love has been, I don't know, a very strange feeling. It is so surreal that this is the best picture front runner at this point. And I don't know if it's going to do it. I obviously, I really hope it does, but it is just yeah so bananas that we have hit this point in the season. Mm-hmm. And clearly this movie that means so much to me also means so much to everyone else as well. I don't understand how it possibly could like, there cannot be that many other people that have watched the matrix as many times as I have who (laughs) also have uh, this connection with action films and also this connection Mm -hmm. with um, (laughs) this fake out on who the protagonist is. um, That seems like it's going to be sort of a um, gay a gay movie with a gay protagonist, but instead the that's the antagonist. And um, I don't know. I guess there really is just a lot of confusion over whether Stephanie Shu or um, Michelle Yeoh is the protagonist or the antagonist. Um, and the movie's really playing with that. But then on top of that, yeah. the moment that blew me away in the theater when I saw it the first time when Kei Kwan uh says to her your clothes never wear as well the next day your hair never (laughs) falls in quite the same way like i love that nine days album so much and the fact that they put the line in the movie and then got like he recorded three or four different covers of that song just because it felt so i didn't think anyone else cared about this dumb song or this dumb album as much as i do so i just never talk about it with people you know um and it was all over the movie like all the different multiverse versions of it too yeah um yeah it's really really good and I then don't know. there's and... even that moment of her at the crazy rich asians premiere as well a movie that i seemingly love more than everyone else in the world oh it's so good uh, i mean for me just 
there are so many moments like the moment in the theater where it cuts to the rocks and it's like completely silent yeah. mm-hmm. uh just blew me away in the movie theater and um there were so many moments in this movie that were very emotional and moving that if you isolated them and took them out would just be they're just so weird and random but it, in the movie they're emotional and moving um you know with like the noodle fingers or the rakakuni stuff and um i just adore them so much I, also a huge pixar fan so like yes, i just don't know how yes. this movie's hitting for everyone else on the same levels I I watched it with my family. They loved it. My kids were just dying laughing. Uh, I didn't have you know like the the wherewithal or the, to explain butt plugs to them. Um, but you know there's the whole <laughs> butt plug fight, which I don't know. Like it's just so ridiculous and wonderful. Um, and then what I especially adored about this movie is it comes down to this like conclusion that the way to like it's a Kung Fu movie where the solution is like anti-Kung Fu, anti-violence. Yeah. Um, this uh, pacifist response that it's not like, not like um, non-violence is a lack of action. It's a kind of action. And so I love the way that it portrayed that. Um, I love the performances from everyone in this film. And I don't know. It was, it's amazing. It's a generational movie. And uh, my students at school all adore this movie. Um, and I don't know. I hope it wins everything. It's not a moment. It's a movement. Like that's really just how it feels. Mm -hmm. God, I'm going to be so bummed if it does not win. I'm like, it feels like it's a done deal, but I can't bring myself to like feel that way or think that way. Cause I'm just going to be devastated if it doesn't win. Yeah. I think it needs to win, but we'll see. You never know. Um, You never know. Um. Cool. So we were going to, we have uh, winners and then runners up for the big five awards here. Um, Best picture and then the various actors and actresses. Um, I don't Since really. Since we've covered so many movies, I think we could probably go through these quickly, but. Uh, I think yeah. so. Yeah. Um, I assume we're both giving best picture to everything everywhere all at once, right? Uh, yeah, that's what I would choose. Yeah um so what who do you have for your best actor uh best actor um for me i didn't feel like this category was uh particularly competitive i there were a lot of actors kind of agree yeah yeah i didn't i thought a lot of the performances the lead male performances from the movies i watched just weren't very good and then i watched banshees of inishir and colin farrell was just amazing and just phenomenal and so i would give the award to him for me it's not particularly close on that one Yeah, so I think it actually is pretty close. I think the Academy is going to get this right or right-ish. I don't think there's a ton of difference between the quality of Colin Farrell's performance and then the quality of Austin Butler's performance. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, they're two extremely different movies. I haven't historically been a fan of the musical performances. Like... um, the what's the actor's name who won for bohemian rhapsody oh rami malek rami malek i was not a huge fan of his performance there i was not a huge fan of um i liked it better but wasn't head over heels for taron edgerton and rocket man um however which was one that i liked well enough but i yes I, I, i agree yeah um 
Austin Butler in this movie, I think is um like I think he's transcendent and I think he brings what he's really able to do, particularly in the back half of the movie, is bring this energy to the movie that just really feels like kind of impossible. Like I wouldn't have believed it if I hadn't seen it. And it's not a movie that I'm particularly fond of. Um, I have it 57th. It's my lowest ranked of the of the best picture films, just like in the C range. Um, personally, I would give it to Colin Farrell here um, because I think that performance is just a little more subtle, a little more difficult. But either one of these two people I would be fine with. That makes sense um, to me. And then I think my the runner-up that I wanted to mention here for a performance that has sort of been unheralded throughout the year is Daryl McCormick in Good Luck to You, Leo Grand. Uh, this is a movie that I think is a little... I have issues with, with the movie, but I think his performance is really spectacular and a really difficult performance to do. This this all makes sense to me. Um, I like I'm looking through the list of the other things that I would even put in the category, and I guess maybe like Daniel Kaluuya, I think would probably I probably would have given a nomination to, um, maybe even Daniel Craig or some Glass Onion, but I don't know. Yeah, Colin Farrell. I I think I don't think this is a particularly strong category. I think all the other acting categories are very strong yeah. um, and are very deep, but I don't think feel like this one is. So but that's okay. Yeah, uh, I hope no. Colin Farrell wins. If Austin Butler wins, I'll be fine with that too. I don't know that I'm going to go watch Elvis because of it, but uh, I really hope Colin Farrell wins. Yep. Uh, best actress. Oh, this one's tough for me. It's <laughs> tough. There are some very good performers. I chose Michelle Yeoh for this one. Um, and it's just, I think she's so incredible in everything all everywhere all at once i think a lot of that film hinges on the history of her as a performer and her way uh, her ability to um i don't know to play against type in a lot of ways and so many different kinds of performances that she's doing um my runner-up for this that's very close is kate blanchett because i think she also delivers an incredible Oscar worthy performance either one of these I think would be a winner in most years in the past yeah I'm kind of in the same situation where I think if I were giving a streamy I would give my streamy to Kate Blanchett and that's with the understanding that a streamy doesn't really carry that much the weight same kind of weight as an Oscar. Yeah. but if I had to give an Oscar I would give it to Michelle Yeoh like yeah it's understandable Kate Blanchett does not need this Oscar even though like and their performances are just so close like there's not a wrong note in either of them and they're both yeah unbelievable um yes uh, i really hope michelle yo wins it even even though i adored kate blanchett's performance and i would be happy with her winning but uh michelle yo just you know there has been so much um discrimination against people of color and you know against asian women and especially in action roles all those Mm -hmm. kinds of things and the giving having this award i think is would be a major milestone i really hope that it happens uh yes 
Uh, oh, and I did want to shout out for an unsung performer here, Dakota Johnson. I think she's really, really good in Cha-Cha Real Smooth. Also a pretty difficult and nuanced performance, and she hasn't really gotten any love all season. I probably wouldn't put her above any of the other like nominated people, except maybe Michelle Williams. But uh, people haven't been talking about her, so I wanted to mention her. The other performance that I really liked that um, I would have loved to see get nominated here, but not win, uh, was um, Florence Pugh in The Wonder, which I thought was really good. The film itself oh, doesn't quite reach that, that level one. for me, but I thought that she uh, performed gave a performance that was quite good. And, you know, like, I don't know. Uh, Anna Darmus made it in as blonde, and um, I think that probably I'd give it to Florence Pugh over her the nomination and then not give her the award. Uh, yeah. Um, what about for supporting actor? Um, yeah, I don't think this one's going to be a surprise either. Um, I have uh, Ki Hui Chuan um, as my winner for best supporting actor. Um, yeah, in everything same. everywhere at once. Yeah, he's as Waymond Wong. He's so good. Um, and it's just a transcendent performance. It's an incredible performance. Um, and even more than Michelle Yeoh, if it was like Kate Blanchett wins and then uh, Kate uh, Chuan wins, I'd be okay with that. Like that's that's settled in my soul. I'm then I'm fine. Um, with that said, that category is really strong. Um, Brennan Gleeson and Barry Kilgan in uh, Banshees of Inisherin were so good that like I, I should understand giving an Oscar to them for those performances. Yeah. Um the Brendan Gleason was among my runners up. I also would um have considered Edward Norton here. I think he gives he a was very, really very good yes. performance. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I think that he was really good as well. Um I don't know. There's there's a lot of a lot of good performances in this category. Um, but I would, yeah, I got, I have my choice. Is that the same choice for you? Yeah. 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 So, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, it, so, that one's not really close. Yeah. Uh, all right. Excellent. Uh, what about for supporting actress? What do you have for that one? Yeah. So I'm I curious mean, about your thoughts on this one. Again, I would, I wouldn't give it to anyone other than Stephanie Shu. I think she's so good in this movie. Um, But like, if I'm moving past her, because I feel like it is a competition for second place, I think I would give it after that to my next two people are people who are not nominated. And my second is Kiki Palmer, who is so good. Yeah, I wish she'd been nominated and is unbelievable. And then behind her, I have Janelle Monae. Also unbelievable. I love Janelle Monet. Um, yeah, they're very, very good. Um, I don't have Stephanie Shu as my as my winner in this. Oh, category. who do you have? Yeah, so I have Angela Bassett because she did the thing. Um, yeah, but yeah, I I thought. Uh, obviously, I liked Wakanda Forever a lot more than you did, and for me, it was Angela Bassett's performance that really worked the best for me. Um. I also really liked Lupita Nyong'o's performance, but I feel like Angela Bassett, just the weight and gravitas that she brings to that role um, is iconic. I think that she 
Glover's a really nuanced and um, thoughtful performance, and I think it's the the heart of that film. So for me, it barely edges out Stephanie Chu, who I think was also incredible. If either one of them wins, I would be thrilled uh, because I think that they're both wonderful. Yeah, again, this is a situation where my streamy award is different from my Oscar award, which I would give to Angela Bassett, and I think she deserves at this point. And it was not a very, I mean, it was a particularly bad year for Oscars for people of color, for Black people. Um, But it was also just a pretty poor showing in terms of movies. Um, Like, Nope, obviously, um, had good representation, but then... um, the woman no, King was pretty glass onion. De- divisive. Yeah. People didn't really care for Till all that much, which you saw, but I did not. I did see, and I didn't care for it that much. So, um, um, yeah, yeah. So the we gotta gotta get more black directors and uh, for sure black led projects because yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I will say in this category as well. I thought Carrie Condon great gave an amazing yep. performance. That's like definitely worthy of winning an Oscar. It's just that category is very stacked. Um, and if Jamie Lee Curtis, I really adored in everything everywhere all once. And like, I've loved her, you know, being that cheerleader behind the scenes, but you know, uh, it's, it's just, it's a deep category this year. Yeah. Um, all right. Cinematography. Cinematography. Um, yeah, this one was really difficult for me to pick um, because I thought there was a lot of really good cinematography this there year. It really is. Um, yeah. the, the, I have basically uh, two films that I would choose for best cinematography and neither of them was nominated for best cin- cinematography. I think, um, I think my number one, I'm guessing, is one of those. Yeah, so my two are uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once and Nope. Those are my my two favorite cinematographies from this year. Uh, Nope, I have third, I guess, slightly above, or no, fourth. So, and first I have Top Gun Maverick. Um, yeah, that's which... that one's like third or fourth on my list. I didn't go that detailed on it, but I have it actually quite high. Um, for I assume the same reasons as you. Yeah, and then I have Tar second. Um, um, maybe I'm putting also, too much weight on that classroom scene, but I feel like the rest. I, of I the thought Tar was really good. good too. I I thought the 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 cinematography in Tar was very good. Um, I felt like for me, it the film was even better in editing and writing than it is in cinematography, and so the writing and editing for me, um. Uh, kind of drove the cinematography a little bit more. And there's a couple of scenes that are just like brilliantly well shot in tar, but uh, a lot of it is just like very, very good. Whereas I think um, the depth um, of the work that went into everything, everywhere, all at once to get some of these very difficult scenes to make work, especially where they're like cycling through all the different outfits or the scenes that were like, um, the the scene with the rocks or the scene with the pinatas or all of those kinds of things and the kind of um 
going through multiple universes and matching images between those things that you have to just film those as separate images and then mesh them together somehow. I, I find that to be an incredibly difficult thing to do with cinematography um, and with the editing as well. So I, for me, that's probably the winner. Um, but I also love the cinematography in Nope a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's probably just a situation of by the time I got here, I was like, I've given too many things to everything everywhere all at once. So <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's I can't tough. disagree with anything you just said. So uh, and you so you had Tar as number one. Uh, no, Top Gun it's Maverick not, is number Top one. Top Gun Maverick is number yeah. one, which I think is a reasonable choice for number one, because like. How do you top those? airplane scenes i don't know they're so good what they did was unbelievable it's It's... it's the the work put into it is incredible the film itself is uh i don't think quite lives up to the cinematography but who it is well shot uh yeah uh in the category what did get nominated there's like all quiet on the western front which i also thought was quite good with the cinematography um and i think is a worthy winner um, I'd probably give it to Tar out of the films that are there, but um, All Quiet would be a consideration for me. And I haven't seen Empire of Light, but I really want to see it. Uh, yeah, I did see it. It is pretty low on my list. Let's see. Yeah. Number 67, D+. And yeah. I would the, not I, have given it to it for cinematography. Th- that makes sense to me. It's It's filmed by Roger Deakins, though. So, And he's so good that I'm like, maybe maybe I'll love the cinematography. Still I thought um, I was going to, and then I mm-hmm. was like, yeah, I mean, it's all perfect, but there isn't anything that I was like, whoa. Yeah, makes sense. Um, And then, yeah, so score. I had three scores that I wanted to talk about. I think they're my top three scores of the year, and none of them got nominated. So... Gasp. Um, my number one, I think I mentioned it during the podcast is RRR. I think that score is yeah. just so high. <laughs> it's a good score. Yeah. Um, what's your number one? Cause I'm guessing we have overlap on our next two. Um, well, my number one is nominated. Um, oh, so, interesting. Yeah. Wait, did I yeah. forget one then? What's your number one? I don't think so. But my number one is Banshees of Inisherin. Oh yeah, so that's my number four. Yeah. I love that yeah. score. It's really yeah. Good. I thought it was a really really good score. Um, but at the same time, I essentially had a five way tie, and I had to pick one, and I came down to the wire, and I was like, ah, I'm choosing this one. So mm-hmm. uh, if you caught me on a different day, I'd probably choose one of the other ones. Um, so um, I also had the Fablemans quite high. Um, but like you said, there's not a lot of original score in that one, but I really like the original score that is there. Yeah. Um, I was listening back to, uh, back to that earlier today and I was like, man, I really, really like these songs. I just wish there was more of it. But at the same time, uh, you know, John Williams is uh, quite old and probably uh, didn't want to sit and do, uh, a full movies length of, uh, of, uh, original score for it. So that's well, understandable. And the, I mean, the Beethoven integration with that movie is all mm-hmm. so strong. It like really it just idea. didn't need any more. Um, yeah. The so really great restraint by one of our greatest film composers of all time. I think. Yes, it's just hard to give it uh, best original score when you have like such a good score from the other nominee. I think the other nominees are really good. 
for what it's worth. Um, uh, yes. So I don't know that I would give all of them the award. Like there's only a couple that still make it for me, but I think they're strong nominees. Uh, what got nominated for the Oscars? I just honestly think there's a lot of really good scores this year. There like, are. There definitely yeah, are. I have like 20 things that I think are Oscar worthy. So I don't know. It's hard. Yeah. My next two um, that I wish had gotten nominated are the Batman, mm-hmm. which is a score, Excellent score. Yes. for a film that I am a lot lower on than like the rest of the world. Um, and Whereas then, I loved it and it was number 12 on my list. So, oh, it was. Yeah. So yeah, it's number 41 for me. It's my Ooh, highest C+. Wow. Yeah, that's a huge discrepancy. I thought that movie was great. Uh, and the score was down. really, really good. It keeps moving down on my list, but that's I rough. do love the score. Um, it's very good. Uh, and then Nope at number three, which... Yeah, also very good. Oh, boy, do I love that score. So, uh, all this is understandable. I also have Wakanda Forever on my list. Um, oh. Yeah. Mm. Which, like, I've been going through it, back through and listening to that score, and I just think it's really, really solid. Um it's the first Black Panther score was probably my favorite MCU score. It's a great um, score. Yeah. Yeah. And the Wakanda Forever score, I really, really love. Um, I love the integration of like all the hip hop singers, but also like the use of African music and instruments uh, within the films. And then the use of Mayan music and instruments uh, that they put into this one, and, like authentic music and instruments, I think is really good. Uh, and it just worked really well for me the way it all comes together. And I th- felt like the score um, exceeded the film uh, even, which I love the film, but I felt like the score even exceeded a little bit. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, then my other two are everything everywhere all at once, um, mm-hmm. which I mean, I don't know that I'd give it the Oscar, but I really did love all the um, oh, what's the what's that song? The, the one that you love that's in it. Um, Absolutely. Story of a girl. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, story of a girl. Yeah, it's a so really love the integration of all of that. I thought it was really good. And then all quiet on the Western Front. I also really like that score, and it's been stuck in my head basically uh, since uh, I watched that one. Uh, yeah, da da da. Yeah, um, yeah, all of that stuff. So just really good scores this year. I would probably choose Banshees of Inisherin. Uh, nice. Yeah. nice, nice. Which nice. one was? Did you say that you chose again? It was R R R R R. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Which was also a really good score. I mean, it's hard. That's also been stuck in my head um, since I watched it. Uh, okay, so we've got four other things to to zoom through here. Yes, Wait, four. Yes, no, three. So I'll follow your lead. Uh, what is the best back catalog movie you watched last year? Yes, so I watched 115 movies total this last year. 53 of those were from last year. So that means what 62 of 62 movies I watched that were from previous years, uh, trying to watch through a bunch of things. Um, the highest movie for me out of that list, and this would have been this was my favorite movie experience from the entire year, including everything that I watched, uh, even beating out everything everywhere all at once. It was um, Parakiri. Um, which Ooh, is nice. Yeah, it's a classic samurai film. And I just, I mean, I was an emotional wreck as I watched this and finished this film. Um, it is just an incredible film, so incredibly well shot, uh, just perfectly written. I can't imagine uh making like a tighter, more like efficient script and with the story that they're trying to tell. 
uh, iconic images, just things that uh, blow me away that it was on screen. And uh, I don't know, I, I love that movie so much. I highly recommend it. Um, it made it into my top 20 and that's that has been a very stable list for a long time and it knocked um princess bride down to number 21 oh no so yeah i know so it's a i really really love that film um so my top two i think my first one counts because i it technically was a rewatch but i had not i didn't really remember seeing it and that's the birdcage yeah, I really love um, that one too. So. so if that doesn't count, then otherwise it would be inside Lewin Davis. But yeah, yeah, and um, inside Lewin Davis was my was my number two. Um, oh, nice. Because yeah, and so I had Harakiri uh, inside Lewin Davis, and then Ikiru, um, which is recently remade into uh, a movie w- with Bill Nye, the movie Living. Living, um, yeah. It's so my most I, recent movie watched. So I've wanted to watch that one, but so those were my three back catalog films that rank that ranked the highest. Uh, and then our second special streamy. So we, we have reverse ones, which is the best Zach moment and the best Matt moment. But you're going to give me the best moment from a film from last year that made you think of me. And I'll give you the one that made me think of you. Do you want yes, to go first I mean... or do you want me to go first? Um. Yeah, I'll go first. Okay. Uh, that's fine. So my best Zach moment, it, it's kind of like it's all from the same film. I had three moments that I was really thinking of mm-hmm. um, and I was going through a few. But then I, I remembered the Fablemans and uh, just like the scene at the beginning where they're like celebrating Hanukkah and really uh, like really showing it and getting into it. I thought, oh, I'm so glad that Zach gets to see this because um, <laughs> after all the Christmas movies that come out and it was around the holiday times as well, like it was over Christmas break that I was watching it. And I was like, I'm glad that we've got a Hanukkah movie to watch at this at this time. And then the other stuff with the the way that it was portraying like casual anti-Semitism isn't the right word, but like everyday yep. anti-Semitism. Um, I was thinking of you in that one. And then the the girl that was uh, horny for Jesus and horny for Jews. Uh, <laughs> I was just like, I cannot wait to hear from Zach, like his thoughts on this movie and like those scenes. Yeah, that was, that was excellent. Yeah, it's um, good stuff. So my initial reaction for you was um, several of the anti- colonialist moments in RRR but after further consideration I decided on a moment that I sort of alluded to earlier which is one of my favorite MCU uh, set pieces and that is the climax of Love and Thunder when that's a great choice empowers all of the kids Um, oh yes (laughs) because that kind of is what you do for your life Oh my goodness. And I love that scene so it's, I much. I love that scene too. Oh, I loved it. I just, when, what is it? It's like a unicorn or something that the one kid has got. Yeah. It's like, oh, that scene was uh, iconic. I loved it so much. And it was really meaningful to me. So <laughs> that's a, that's a really good choice, I think. Um, What is a recommendation that you'd like to give me from your list? This one's not going to be a surprise. Uh, But the movie that I am most excited for you to watch is Prey. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, it's a. I I know that you're getting getting into it eventually, but that is the one. Like, oh yeah, I am so anxious for when you get uh, finally get to watch that movie. 
Um, and I think my recommendation for you, it's hard because I sort of have two options. One of them I know you'll like. The other, there's a chance you won't like it. But if you do like it, it's going to hit higher for you. So I think I'm going to go with the second one. And that's Cha Cha Real Smooth. Yeah, it, you know what? It is high on my list. And I've got... um uh. I've got Apple TV Plus now, so yeah. Um, now that it's MLS, <laughs> so I'm going to get around TV. to it soon to watch. Um, um, the other one would have been Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, which I mm-hmm. do think you would like a lot. It is a very feel good movie. Um, you know what? I need to watch that one then. I've seen the I've seen the images for it over and over, and been like, huh, I don't know if I'd like that. But uh, now that you're saying it, um, maybe I'll turn around and watch it at some point. I I. Yeah, I was surprised how much I liked it. It's my number. It's my number eighteen movie of the year. It's my highest. Oh wow, beat. that's really high. And Cha Cha Real yeah. Smooth, I have at twenty three. Um, I need to watch that one. So, um, but yeah, I don't know. I guess you could watch both and let me know where they hit for you. I will add. Um, I will add both of them to my list. I will add Cha Cha Real Smooth to my Apple TV Plus list right next to um Hoda. Nice. Yeah, very um, good. And then the last thing that I wanted to close on, we're through the streamies. Um, and that is what is the movie that's highest, the best like unheralded film? So the one that's highest on your list. And let's say it can't have been nominated for an Oscar, and also one that we haven't yet talked about over the last two hours and 15 minutes. Yeah, I wonder if mine is the same as yours. It's not because um, you haven't seen mine. Oh, I haven't seen yours. Okay, so uh, the movie for me is The Northman. Mm, um, so that is the next one lower for mine. Yeah, which I loved so much, and I thought it would be higher on my list by the end of the year. Yeah, um, I did too because I loved it so much in the moment. There are just so many mo- good movies that came out near the end of the year. Uh, it was in like my top four for a long time, but then Same. so many things came out. Uh, yeah, that movie was such an epic, so many great scenes, so much great action, uh, incredibly well filmed, uh, very tightly written, uh, a very, very good f- film, um, but I feel like didn't get nearly enough love this year. That's one that also could have got in for cinematography and I wouldn't have been sad. Would not have batted an eye, yeah. Uh, would have been would have been thrilled for it to get in for cinematography over either Empire of Light or Bardo. Sure, yeah. Uh makes sense to me. Uh so that yeah, that's my number 13 movie of the year. And then right above it at number 12, a movie you probably will never watch, which is why I didn't wreck it to you, and that is Barbarian. Oh yeah, uh, I don't think I'm gonna ever watch that one. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, did I love this movie and the premise is so good. Like yeah. if you have watched that trailer and people can watch the trailer, it doesn't give away very much of the movie. Um, yeah. Oh, I, I've man. never seen the trailer. I've heard the trailer and closed my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, <laughs> that is one. If you, um, if they were looking to fill out best actor, um, Bill Skarsgård in that movie is so good. Although maybe he's supporting, I don't really know. Um, I mean, geez, if the if they put, um, is it Alexander Skarsgård that's in uh, the Northman? Is, uh, yeah. Which Skarsgård is it? It's the two Skarsgård brothers. I think um, it's yeah. I think you're right. I think it's Bill. Well, there are three of them, aren't there? 
Uh, well, there's the two brothers and then the dad. I thought there were um, three brothers and a dad. Maybe the three brothers and the dad. We need the we need the family tree of the Skarsgård family. Yeah. Uh, but it is Alexander Skarsgård that's in the Northmen. Uh, and then Bill Skarsgård, I think, in Barbarian. And then um, is it Swanson? I can't remember I the dad's name. Stellan was, name was the dad. Oh, man, I can't remember it at all. There's too many. There's so many. Not too many. There is the right number of Skarsgård. Honestly, we could do with another one, but it's yeah. hard to remember all their names. So, uh, so yeah, Bar- uh, Barbarian, yeah. my number 12 of the year. We should have had the two brothers Skarsgård nominated for, for Best Actor. I think those would have been legit nominations. So, um, oh well. I well. think Decision to Leave is going to bu- end up bumping a lot of these down, though. I'm really oh, liking well, it. That happens. But I just couldn't couldn't get that last 45 minutes in um, before we the one other movie that i would put on here um is we we only briefly mentioned it but the wonder uh starring florence Pugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, i really liked quite a bit and it's not really gotten talked about at all uh and i don't know i think people would enjoy it i think that she gives a really good performance the movie itself i think her performance is better than the movie um but i think it's very good nice Nice, nice, nice. Uh, can I also say, I really wish Elvis had not gotten nominated for, well, I wish it hadn't gotten nominated for Best Picture because there are so many other movies I liked more. But I understand why it did. Like, both that yeah, and Avatar, I am I am understanding of why that, that happened. Yes, I think but like, it... but there's movies I wanted in there that are not them. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm, I'm with you. Um, so... But I wish Elvis had not gotten nominated for editing. I think it is such a tragedy. I think the first like Ouch. 45 minutes of that movie is basically unintelligible because the editing is so bad. And there are so many movies with great editing this year that it just, it makes me really angry. <laughs> that is understandable. And like I said, the the editing is a very... For me, a very competitive uh, category. Um, Banshees, everything there all at once. Tar, even Top Gun Maverick, I think are yeah. all incredibly worthy winners for best film editing. I think that they are all like some of the best editing edited films that I've seen in a long time. And Glass uh, Onion, and, I would have wanted Glass and Onion. Glass and Glass Onion was excellent as well. Um, I thought that Nope was edited. Uh, really well as well. I don't know. There's there's a lot of really good editing in in this year. Um, I don't know. That's a tough category for me. Um, all right. Do you have anything else you wanna you wanna say? No, I think that's it for me. All right. Let's. Uh, well, we didn't we didn't mention about how Colin Farrell was in four movies this year. Um, he was in four movies this year. What? Okay. Yeah. Well, because he was in the Batman. He was in Banshees. Mm-hmm. And That's then true. did you, you didn't see after Yang? No, I did not. Mm, that's another A24 film. And it's number 24 on my list. Great movie. He's great in yeah. it. For uh, what it's worth, uh, um, uh, Colin Farrell kind of dropped off and didn't make films for a while because of uh, the mental illness, you know, dealing with ADHD stuff and things like that. Uh, there's yeah. plenty of things on his filmography uh, but there was not a lot of like um, major roles that he did. And then all of a sudden, all of them this year, I guess. So, yeah. And then he was back with Vengeance. And then the other one was 13 Lives, which I haven't seen. And I don't think you have either. No, I haven't. 
So. Uh, all right. Well, then, yeah, I guess at the end of the show, I think I'm going to paste on a little tar spoiler. So don't stick around if you don't want to hear that. And then also a huge thank you to David, not for editing this episode, but for putting together our little envelopes at the top and uh, send your feedback to the email in the show notes, podcast at podcast stream it, or wait, podcast stream it at gmail.com. And thanks so much. Bye. Bye. I did want so what do you think I feel like I have there's another thing about the very end of tar that I have not seen anyone else talk about anywhere but it is it like spoils the last moment of the movie to talk about what's that hmm? what's what is that uh it's that the um she puts the headset on which when she's conducting which means mm-hmm. that she's now conducting to a click that's what you have to do yes. anytime you conduct a yeah video game or a film mm-hmm. score um which everything she's talked about for the whole movie about it yeah i read an essay about a, this a conductor controlling time oh so there is someone else who talked about it yeah oh, so they finally have yeah um, i have seen it Anyway, so she she becomes the robot that she has criticized everyone else. Maybe I'll just cut this because this is in the break. Maybe I'll cut this out and put it at the very end of the podcast, and then people can listen if they've seen the movie. <laughs> and they yeah, can hear so there, there is an essay. Uh, there is an essay I read that talked about that specifically. Mm. Yeah. I'll I'll have to go find it. Maybe it was written since I since I had been googling for it. <laughs> I think probably because I think I only read it in the past like three weeks, but I also have no idea where it would be at this point. So um, I don't know. It might have. Oh, I think it wasn't an essay. I think it was a Reddit post. Mm. But I saw someone talking about that. Got it. Yeah. So I don't know. Should we move on to our next movie? Yes. Let me walk. Oh, oh. good.